Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Today's reading is out of Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is seen, what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not, be, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I were to ask you, what are some of the most critical components to the Christian life? My guess is that prayer would be up there, probably on the top three. What are the essential parts of the Christian life? You probably go, oh, maybe prayer. It's funny that we know that prayer is essential for our spiritual health, for our connection to God. We know it's just, it's just a part of the Christian life. But have you ever considered the way in which you learned to pray? Have you ever thought, like, how did I, how did I learn to pray? For many of us, I think that we've learned to pray and we've cobbled it from a bunch of different experiences. Maybe you've learned to pray through sitting on your grandmother's knee. Maybe you learned to pray just by hearing your father mumble the same prayer before every meal as you grew up. Maybe you learned to pray by hearing people from behind pulpits. Maybe you learned to pray as reciting the rosary. Consider just for a second, how did you learn to pray? I've enjoyed listening to a podcast and a radio show called On Being, which is a, uh, it's a show about spirituality. And it's honestly been really helpful for me because sometimes there's a, a, a Christian who will speak and sometimes it's not. And it's been helpful for me to learn how to engage dialogues of spirituality from a diverse background. And the radio host, Krista Tippett, she has on different people, sometimes poets and theologians, or sometimes like in this episode, it was Martin Sheen. Uh, the actor, who's also a devout Catholic. And it was a great conversation, but about halfway through the conversation, Martin Sheen stopped her and turned around and asked her a question. And let's listen to it now. You know one thing that I wondered if... I I just want to ask you a question, if I may. How... May I? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, if you don't mind, is this business of prayer. Do you ask people in your uh, interviews if they pray or how they pray or what they pray or what does prayer mean to them? Have you ever gone into that uh, Um, that area? It certainly comes up, but it's not a question I would just ask somebody out of the books. It's the most intimate question, right? Yes, it is, yeah. 
this is the most curious uh, uh -huh. yeah. element of the spiritual life. I, I'm always mm. curious about how people pray and what images they use mm. to go to that place where they can pray. And what does prayer mean to them? What, what do they expect? Or is it something across your life that has, do you yeah, feel that prayer has changed a lot? Or yeah, or it, you know, uh -huh. one of the most curious uh, questions in the, in the New Testament is the, uh, the friends of Jesus saying, teach us how to pray. Yeah. And he gives them the Our Father. That's the only prayer that really uh, comes to us from the master. Yeah. And how interesting that those men at that time, or at least the people in his community, asked him how to pray. Yeah. That they were devout Jews, and they had a very structured form of prayer and worship and sacrifice. And that they asked him, teach us how to pray, is, the, is a very curious question to me that they wanted to go deeper they wanted to go more personal I guess just a little snippet of it for me one of the things I noticed was the characteristic the adjective that Martin Sheen used to describe prayer or his orientation to prayer did he want to pick up on the word that he used four times in that little segment curious yes curious makes me wonder how curious am I about prayer? Because it's, it should be curiosity inspiring. The fact that we have this connection to this all-powerful God who oftentimes is unseen, is, lives in the immaterials, what it feels like in prayer. We, we enter in this dialogue, dialogue where this here and now, this tangible world enters this this mysterious union with God. How curious are you of prayer? Is it something that's kind of just a religious thing that we do, especially when we feel bad? Is that the extent of our prayer life? Is it something we do only when we need to be bailed out? Like, hey, there's nothing left to do now but pray, as if that's like the worst thing in the world? Ugh, well, forget it. Now I gotta pray. Might prayer be something else? A beautifully mysterious practice of, the com of communion with God. It is true that Jesus' disciples, they saw him perform miracles, teach with authority. They saw that Jesus knew things that were unsaid and unspoken, and he brought them to life, that he did the miraculous, all these incredible things. But the disciples, out of all these different things, asked Jesus to teach him to pray. Perhaps they saw Jesus' life and, and the routines of Jesus' life, and they heard snippets of prayer, and they were curious themselves of why Jesus prays so much, and how does Jesus pray? Love, this is a description that one of the disciples spoke of Jesus' life. This is in Luke 5.15. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him being Jesus and to be healed of their sickness. And listen to Jesus, how, how he responds to the surge of popularity and fame. But Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed. Perhaps as they saw Jesus withdrawing to the lonely places, they knew that this was the key to understanding how Jesus lived and served and healed and transformed this world. 
My conviction as of lately has been this, and it's been really convicting in my own life, is our view of prayer reveals our view of God. If you were to look at your own prayer life, how would you describe your prayer life? And in turn, we might use the same descriptions to describe your own view of God. If your prayer life is boring, it's a boring religious experience, you probably have a boring, unpersonable relationship with God. If you only pray to God before meals and at church, or maybe at a Bible study, you probably have God quarantined to pockets of your life, but don't have this ongoing, boundless uh, uh, relationship with God. If your prayer life turns on when life is crazy and you need help, you probably see God much like a genie who's there in our times of trouble. But if your prayers are full of honesty and doubt and real needs and pain and your deepest longings, you probably see God as your refuge, a safe place. If you pray prayers of gratitude in and out throughout your day, with the beauty and the kindness of life as it washes over you, you probably see God as the giver of all of life. If you pray to God to help you in wisdom and your decisions, both small and big, you probably see God as someone who cares about the details of your life and wants to lead you through them all, much like a good shepherd. How would you describe your prayer life? How might you describe your relationship with God? This is critical. If you want to know what to pray and how to pray, it's critical for us to look about how Jesus prayed. In our scripture reading, we are taught that. We get an insight in how Jesus prayed, This most, as, as the interviewer Krista Tippett said, the most intimate questions of our spiritual life. And Jesus opens up the cupboard and says, this is how I pray. And it starts off with how not to pray. It starts off with a correction. In verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. This word hypocrite means, uh, it means, it means actor. It means like someone, a thespian, like someone on a stage who, who knows their lines and delivers their lines for the approval and for the performance in front of others. And Jesus is saying, don't be like the actors who chooses, the, they choose the stage of the synagogue, the, the religious place, and the street corners where they can be seen. Because they are going to receive their reward in full. Which is funny, because Jesus could have said, because they're misguided or whatever, but Jesus is saying they're actually getting what they want, which is what? The approval of people, to be seen. But there is a deeper reward that they are not experiencing. What matters to God, especially in prayer, is motive. Motive matters to God. And motive matters to our prayer. You want to know how shallow a reward it is to have the approval of people? Would you choose that reward or an intimate connection to the eternal God? That's a reward of prayer. And to guard yourself from making your prayer life a show, Jesus teaches each of us to pray in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Instead of this public show, steal away. Go to a quiet place. 
go to the lonely places. Not that your faith is secretive, but to ensure that your motive is pure, that you want to reconnect with God. It's interesting to me how Jesus spoke of God. The most common word that Jesus used to describe God is this word right here, Father. Go away to the lonely place. Go to the quiet place and go to your Father, which is, it's a complicated word for us. Many of us, we might come to an intimate time of prayer, and the last idea we need in our hearts and our minds is our Father. It's a, but I think Jesus is using this phrase, your Father, because Jesus always redeems. I think Jesus chose this complicated word because Jesus wanted to restore the true need and position of Father in our life. That God, as our true Father, is a deliverer, a protector, a safe place. So steal away. Go into that private place with your daddy and be with him. Talk to him. Listen to him. In verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they will be heard for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Pagans' view of prayer is categorized by this phrase, much and more. That their prayer life, if you want to have a great prayer life, you need to pray much and more. More dramatic, more repeated words. And so their idea of how to get God's attention was through dramatic means, through screaming, through ripping their clothes, through reciting the same words over and over and over and over again. Maybe, G, maybe God might even, the gods might actually watch and pay attention. This gives a view of God as someone who's a reluctant, inattentive giver. So Jesus is saying these words about the pagans, God's not to, not to, to shame them and belittle them, to push their nose in their falsehood. But Jesus is saying there's a different way. With God, there's a different way that the, your father is not like that. Just go to him. Speak to him. In verse 8, it says, Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, if God already knows what we need, why, why do we need to pray? What's the point of prayer if, if he already knows what we need? Can we just, it seems inefficient, right? Let's skip over the middleman here, right? What good parent doesn't want to hear the dreams and longings of their child? Just to hear them speak it out loud. God wants to hear from you. Just take that in for a second. That God wants to hear from you. Not the religious babbling. Not the dramatic things. But quiet prayers said in a closet when no one else is around. In verse 9. Then this is how you should pray, or in other words, pray like this. We oftentimes might be guilty of taking Jesus' prayer here as mindless religious babble. We just say the Lord's Prayer without really thinking about it. And Jesus is saying, this is a framework in which you can pray. So pray like this. And it begins with, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The prayer, our prayers begin with a relationship. It begins with a relationship with God where we hallow God's name. We don't use that word hallowed or hallow. Uh, what does that mean? 
What it means that God's name is separate, that God's name is sacred, that God before anything else, I just want to say that you are different. I want to just want to begin by telling you, God, who you are. There's no one else like you, God. So I'm just going to begin this prayer by telling you who I see you to be, who I know you to be. Some of the most powerful experiences of my life in prayer was praying this type of prayer. And I, I would encourage anyone to try this. Go into your closet, set a timer or your phone to five minutes, and just pray Hollywood prayers to God. Spend five minutes without looking at your own needs, praying for your own needs or wants or confessing anything. Just go to God and tell God who God's been to you. And my experience is slowly layers start peeling off our heart and all of a sudden, God, you have been so good. This has been some of the most powerful prayer experiences in my life. And the crazier thing is it moves us, but it also moves God. God loves to hear that. In verse 10, it goes on from praying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayer life should center itself on God's coming kingdom. Before we ask God what we want, before I go to God and say, God, here's my ticket list today of all the things I need and want, we begin by saying, God, I want what you want. I want your kingdom to happen here in this world. I want your dreams to become a reality in my life. The greatest thing that could ever happen to you is that God's kingdom would come into your life and make itself known to you. The greatest thing that could happen to this world is that this world could look more and more like Christ's kingdom. That wherever Jesus went, Jesus' kingdom was rolled out into this world, and it restored people. It gave hope. It provided healing. It made the lonely people brought into community. It relieved shame and brought about wholeness and restoration and honor. This is God's kingdom unfolding in our lives. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, this is a good prayer. God, I want your kingdom to happen in my life. Your kingdom come in Austin as it is in heaven, in my workplace as it, in, as it is in heaven, in my marriage as it is in heaven, in my friendships as it is in heaven. When Jesus' kingdom touches this world, transformation happens. And Jesus doesn't want for us to wait to get the other side of life for us to taste this. It happens here and now so that we pray, Christ, may your kingdom come here and now today. It goes on in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. So after we've acknowledged and remembered who God is and after we pray for God's kingdom to come, then we look to our, our, our own needs. And it's, imp it's important for us to go to God and say, God, I, I, I need from you today. The most important word for me in this prayer is today and daily. We have a hard time with these two words. We, we wish that we could be enough for us to go to God maybe once a week, and then live our life, but that's not the way that God has intended it. It is a daily need of God, much like if you're familiar with the story of the deserts, the manna 
They would wake up and find manna there. That was God's daily provision, teaching them to depend on God every single day. Why? Because God loves to be faithful. You want to put God to the test? Wake up and say, God, you know my needs, so give me today my daily bread. Who here has ever gotten hangry? Like there's, it's a reality where you are about 30 minutes to an hour past your usual meal time and priorities start shifting. Like it's just, it kind of gets nasty in my house if we don't have our meal at the right time. Uh, your need for a meal trumps everything. I don't care you're bleeding. I don't care I'm 30 minutes late picking up my child from preschool. Daddy's going to get some P. Terry's. It's going to happen. Just like our physical hunger affects our life and our perception, so it is with our spiritual hunger. There's times where our souls get hangry. We can't be our best self if we have starved our soul. And so, therefore, we go to God every single day and say, God, today I need you. Today I need the provision that only you can give. And no amount of feeding of prayer in the past counts for today. Every day we go before God and say, God, only you can sustain me today. So you return to your Father every single day. This is God's design. Verse 12 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus wants us to take our honest self to God, not just to pray, hallowed be your name, God, you're so great, while meanwhile we are having debts and sorrows and sins that are taking over our heart and our life, that God wants our prayers to be honest And it has to be. With prayer life, there is no pretense. There's no image controlling and guarding. We come to our our Father with our naked true self. And we say, God, I have debts that I need to be paid. And so I'm coming to you. We forgive my debts. And after you've taught me how to release my debts to you, will you teach me also to release other people's debts? There's a progression here. Once we have become familiar with the rhythms of God's grace in our own life, in our own soul, then God turns us to this world and say, go and make this world reflect my forgiveness. The funny thing for me is whenever you get a bunch of people who grew up in church or familiar with, uh, with the Christian life, uh, I always love it when we pray the Lord's Prayer and get to this line, right? Because it's like when you get to this line, you go, oh, you grew up Catholic. You grew up in a Bible church, whatever. Are we doing debts? Are we doing trespasses? Are we just calling them sin? What are we doing here? The reason why for me the word debts is uh, stuck with me is like a trespass. What do you do to write a trespass? You get off the land. You're not supposed to be there. Just get off the land. Trespass has been forgiven. A debt, on the other hand, debts linger. They follow you. Many of us in the room we don't need a sermon illustration. You know debts follow you for a long, long, long time. And so for me, this idea of the lingering debts that we take to God, it's amazing that for Jesus, he says, I want you to take those debts into prayer so that you can be set free and so you can learn to set other people free. In verse 13, 
It finishes with this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The progression matters here. It begins with what? It begins with us hallowing God's name. That God, I just want to say that who you are. I want to declare who you are. And it ends with deliverance. It ends with salvation. This is the way it always is with God. This is God's purpose for our life. Is it that we might know God intimately so that we can eventually experience deliverance, freedom, salvation. Like I said earlier, our view of prayer reveals our view of God. Jesus here is teaching us that your father is a deliverer. And one of the primary ways you experience deliverance is through prayer. That's why this matters. Because it's through prayer we have this intimate connection with God. And it's through prayer we bring our honest self and that we are set free. It's through prayer that we experience the intimacy of the eternal God who can set us delivered today. Who needs that? Who wants to grow deeper with your prayer life? Who's, if you were to be honest with yourself, you go, my prayer life has been stale. It's been a weird religious uh, monologue for years. And I'm tired of it. There's nothing that God wants more than for you to experience the richness of intimacy with him. Will you please stand with me? This morning, we're going to do something very different. We're going to turn this room into an interactive place of prayer. Following the Lord's Prayer, we've created different prayer stations around this room so that you can meet with God wherever you are today. You can move around this room, engage these stations of prayer. You can sit down, just have a moment just resting in God's love. Uh, For some of us, we need to spend some time acknowledging who God has been in your life. You need to spend some time hallowing God's name. So we have a prayer station right over there in the entrance where you can go over there and just simply write who, who God has been to you. Just spend some time just writing out who God has been to you. It could be uh, one of God's names. It could be a phrase of who God has been to you as of lately. You just want to stop and say, hallowed be your name, God. For other people, you have a prayer need or a person, a burden that you've been carrying that you needed to remember that, God, I just pray that your kingdom could come into this situation. God, I need to pray that you, your kingdom would come into my friend, my loved one, my family member. And so over here, we have some candles that are burning. You can light a prayer, thinking of the person, the situation where you need to experience God's kingdom, that God's kingdom could come, that God's will would be done as a prayer of intercession. Or for others today, you know uh, that you're in need of God's provision, his daily bread. So we have a communion station right up here. And you can come over there and take communion Reminding you that God wants to supply your hunger today. Maybe you're in need of grace and mercy and strength or courage to get through something. Our encouragement is come over here to this communion station and people will serve you communion. Or maybe for other people there's a, a, wet, a weight of debt on you. Either a debt that you've caused. A debt that's been, been troubling your heart and your soul and your mind. And you need to release it. Or perhaps a debt's been done to you. And you haven't had the strength to release it. And so we have a prayer station over there. We have a bunch of rocks. 
We have some pillows on the ground where you get to take that rock and feel the weight of that debt. And then when you feel ready to release it into the water and be able to not see that rock again. So friends, this is your space. This is your time of prayer. Feel free to meet with your father however you need to. There's no script. There's no duty. So let's use this time in our prayer. So Jesus, we pray that we would meet with you. As we sang earlier, we pray for your presence. And we thank you, God, that for whatever reason you've chosen to meet with us as your people. So I pray, God, that you would do that. I pray for people who have struggled with a sense of prayer life for years. I pray, God, that you would make it real, that we would have an encounter with you. And we pray this in your name.